There are choices that are hard, some that are easy. But your decision about Jesus is unavoidable. The reasons why people reject Jesus can be many. It can be a money, it can be a career, a man, a woman, whatever it may be. Each person will be responsible for the choices they make for rejecting Jesus. You won't be able to wash your hands like Pilate. Too often people evade that decision like Pilate, but no decision is a decision in itself. There is no middle ground. There's no wiggle room. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What will you do with Jesus? It's a question Pilate was forced into answering. It's a question we all must come to terms with. As Pastor Xavier says, no decision is a decision itself. If you choose not to choose, you have chosen to be against Him. For Jesus said in John 13, 20, He who is not with me is against me. If your Bible is handy, you'll want to open it to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, for today's Simple Truth study, What Will You Do With Jesus? Let's listen. Luke, chapter 23, we're going to look at verses 1 through 25. So what we want to do is look at the trial of Jesus before Pilate, which has three movements. First, we have Jesus was led to Pilate by the Jews, verse 1 through 5. Second, Jesus was sent to Herod by Pilate in verse 6 to 12. And thirdly, Jesus was returned to Pilate by Herod, 13 through 25. The personal charges against Jesus is given to us in verse 2. The charges were three, if you notice here. The first being sedition, perverting the nation. The word perverting means to twist or to be disloyal to the nation of Rome. So here the religious rulers are playing both sides. They hate Rome, but they're going to use Rome for the benefit right now. The second is tax evasion, forbidding to pay tax to Caesar. And we saw this in the previous chapter, verse 20 through 26. Jesus shut them down. Anybody have a coin whose picture's on there? Give to Caesar the things of Caesar. Give to God the things of God. Let's get on. What's the next question? <laughs> the third is that he uh, was a rival to Caesar, saying that he was Christ, a king. All three are false charges, even the one of king, because when Jesus said he was king, he was not intending it the way they were. They were bringing on a political charge the rival to Rome so that he might condemn him. Now, the private examination of Jesus by Pilate in verse 3 is interesting. The question Pilate asked had to do with the third charge. He kind of dismissed the first two. But here's the third one. He says, are you king of the Jews? You can imagine Pilate looking upon Jesus, beaten bruised from the previous night. He's been up all night. He's been arrested. He's been interrogated. He's been smacked and hit around by the religious priests. If you're a king, why, why are your subjects accusing you to me? The Lord Jesus answers Pilate without hesitation. He answered him, it is as you say, a definite yes. John 18.34 gives us the words of Jesus to Pilate in the praetorium. He says, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Are you saying king of the Jews because you... You've come to the conclusion or because you heard it from somebody else. Jesus puts Pilate on trial. He turns it around the praetorium, by the way. It's neat to, to read that whole thing in John 18. Jesus ends up examining Pilate. Twice Pilate examines Jesus privately in the praetorium. In John 18, 33 through 38, Jesus told him that his kingdom was not of this world. And for this very reason, he was born. And everyone of the truth heard the, his voice, which Pilate said, what 
is truth. Ooh, isn't that the cry of today? The educators, the politicians, objective truth is gone. The truth of the gospel is gone. It's whatever everyone wants to believe. It's relativism. Look at verse 4, the proclamation of Pilate to the accusers about Jesus given to us. Pilate addressed the accuser of Jesus, so Pilate said to the chief priests and to the crowd, the chief priests, of course, are Pharisees and Sadducees, scribes, the lawyers. The crowd was the people. The religious ruler had rounded up in hopes to turn them to their side against Jesus. But you've got a mixed multitude. You've got also people that love Jesus following there. And Pilate announced his verdict. I find no fault in him. This accusation that they had brought were unfounded by the examination, Pilate saying. The death penalty was ludicrous at this point. They responded with a greater determination, but they were the more fierce. They became more adamant. They immediately expressed their objection, repeating the charges of sedition against Rome, saying, he steers up the people, teaching throughout all of Judea, beginning from Galilee, the north, to this place, the south. They were set on their way in spite of the lack of evidence. It didn't make any difference. It didn't matter to them. Jesus was led to Pilate by the Jews. Second movement comes in 6 through 12. Jesus was led to Herod by Pilate. The perfect opportunity came for Pilate. The shrewd politician saw an opportunity to escape judging Jesus. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. He seized the moment for personal evasion. Listen to his words. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. Pilate said, oh, the gods are on my side. I don't have to send him all the way up north with a big contingent of soldiers. He's right here in town. Pilate wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Realizing he was in Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to him. So in doing this, he would appear honoring Herod and respecting him by referring the rightful authority and case to him. But Pilate actually benefited himself because he didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Jesus knew the heart of Herod. He had um, beheaded his cousin John the Baptist. He had exposed him for his adulterous affair with his uh, uh, brother Philip's wife. And yet, Herod just cut his head off. No big deal. Herod was uh, pressured by the Jewish leaders to rule against Jesus. It says, and the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. Verse 10. Herod looked down on Jesus. Then Herod with the men of his men of war treated him with contempt and mocked him. Herod had Jesus ridiculed. They arrayed him in a gorgeous robe. The word array means to throw around him. Just imagine. They're just playing with him. Put that robe around him. Look at the king. Notice Herod dismissed Jesus. He sends him back to Pilate. He's done. Fun's over. Ah, oh, my anticipation was short-lived and it really wasn't all that I thought it would be. That's the expression and response of some people to the gospel in Jesus. The plan of Pilate didn't work. The pressure is even greater now. In verse 12, Herod was reconciled by Pilate at the expense of Jesus. Notice that. Little note that Luke gives us. Their common enemy united them. 
that very day, Pilate and Herod became friends with each other, and their selfish ambitions separated them, which we don't know which it is. For previously, they had been at enmity with each other. Now, we know earlier by Luke that Pilate had shed some bloodshed up in Galilee. We also know that um, Rome had taken down Archelaus, his brother, from part of his reign in Judah and given it to um, Pilate. So there was some, at least those two things that were going on. But it's interesting how people that hate each other, if they find a common enemy, they'll join together until that enemy's gone. Then they'll be fighting each other again. The politicians that hate each other will give an appearance of being united in public, in the arena of the public arena, when they have that common enemy, no different, even as Pilate. Acts 26 27, 28, listen to Paul. He was under such judgment, being falsely accused and under house arrest. Paul laid a heavy witness uh, of the gospel on Agrippa, and he said to him, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, <laughs> you almost persuade me to become a Christian. At that point, Paul says, I would that you and everyone present here were all together as I am, except for these bonds these chains. Wow. Men of faith, much more influential, much more powerful, much more courageous than men of self-interest of politicians. Wow. Jesus was brought before Herod. Quite an event. The third movement comes when Jesus was returned to Pilate by Herod. The plan of Pilate based on the evidence and examination of Jesus by himself and Herod was proclaimed here. Again, the passage is found only in Luke's gospel. And Pilate summoned all of them. And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, Pilate was counting on the people, the crowd that was for Jesus would be greater and more influential than the others. I don't know how he was counting them, but this was his ace in the hole. He, he's in a narrow strait. So Pilate confirms his first judgment of innocence over Jesus, emphatic in the Greek, and said to them, you have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning these things of which you accuse him. Verse 14. And then Pilate reported the judgment of innocence by Herod over Jesus also. 15. No, neither did Herod. For I sent you back to him, and indeed nothing deserving of death has been done by him. Interesting, the Jewish law required two or three witnesses to put someone to death. Deuteronomy 19.15, then Matthew 18.6 speaks about Matthew 18, going by one, by twos, by threes. So you see the parallel. Now notice Pilate told the Jews in verse 16, I will therefore chastise him and release you. Now, now he's, he's hoping it's going to work. Pilate tried to use the Passover even to escape dealing with, it, with Jesus. Through this parenthetical passage, it says, for it was necessary for him to release one to them at the feast. So he's got a second ace up his sleeve. Notice in 18 through 21, you have the protest of the people against the sentence of Jesus by Pilate. And they all cried out at once, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas. Pilate's mistake was in asking the people to choose. If you're a judge, you don't ask, you tell. 
The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas, the son of the father. Matthew 27, 21 tells that. He was shocked, I'm sure. As bad as he was, as evil as he was, the plan of Pilate backfired. John 18, 40 says, then they all cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Look at 19. The man was a true criminal who had been thrown in prison for a certain rebellion made in the city and for murder. So he, he was a true seditious person. Matthew 27, 16 says, and at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Mark 15, 7 says, Barabbas was chained with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. Isaiah 53, 12 says, Jesus was numbered with the transgressions concerning his death. Even at this point, Jesus is fulfilling prophecy after prophecy in every way. Pilate did not want to sentence Jesus to death. Pilate, therefore, wishing to release Jesus again, called out to them, verse 20. He knew he was innocent, as bad as Pilate was. Pilate was warned by his wife, by the way. Matthew 27, 19 says, while he was sitting in the judge. Here you're, here you're there, the judge. You're on your seat. While sitting in the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with this just man. Not just this man, this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Remember Nebuchadnezzar? The dream? <laughs> and others? Pilate was answered. But they shouted, saying, crucify him, crucify him. The Greek indicates they continue repeatedly, over and over, their demands. Now, again, we are very familiar with this type of mob mentality. We saw it in Ferguson. Forget the, the issues. Forget the facts. Don't confuse the issue. If you don't agree with us, let's burn the town down. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? Another dumb question. They all said, let him be crucified, Matthew 27, 22. Mark 15, 12 through 13 says, king of the Jews rather than Christ and confirms the words, let him be crucified. Pilate is really up against the wall, is he? In 22, Pilate abdicated all his authority now. Then he said to them the third time, why? What evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. In spite of the evidence and the legal verdict of verse 4, 14 and 22. In spite of knowing they brought him, Jesus, out of envy and not having the authority to put him to death. In spite of Pilate's wife warning him, Pilate for the third time wanted to release Jesus. The third time, Pilate said, don't you know, over in John's gospel, 19, 10, 11, speaking, don't you know I have power to crucify you and release you? Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivers me to you has the greater sin. Rome crucified him, but the Jewish nation was the greater culprit. And their judgment would come in 70 AD. He already said it over and over again. In 22, Pilate attempted to affirm his verdict 
I will therefore chastise him and let him go. He thinks he's got it made. John 19, 12, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried to saying, if you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Ooh, this was the guillotine. This was it. Pilate saw that he was in deep, deep trouble now. Pilate was drowned out by the crowd as they pressed their urgent demand. But, verse 23, they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and the chief priests, listen, prevailed. It means to be strong to another's detriment, to overcome them. The only time found in the New Testament. This was it. It was done. Matthew tells us 27, 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that the tumult was arising, he took water and he washed his hands before the Moses, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. This just person, he says it again. The people gladly accepted the culpability. And all the people said, his blood be on us and on our children. Ooh. And that's who pays the greater price. Pilate caved in to this pressure. So Pilate gave sentence that it should be as they requested. Verse 24. He chose to protect himself. Notice Pilate crucified an innocent man. And he released to them the one they requested who for rebellion and murder had been thrown into prison, but he delivered to their will, of course, Jesus. Mark 15, 15 says, So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them and delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. And the scourging, the cat of nine tails, 13 stripes on the left, the right, over the top, ligaments, bone, lungs, everything. Most people would not survive the scourging. It's been put like this. Knowledge can be memorized. Wisdom must think through things. Wisdom is something that enables us to use knowledge rightly. Wisdom resists pressure, thinks for itself, and is reconciled to use its own judgment. There was a young lady from Niger who smiled as she rode on the tiger. She came back from the ride with the lady inside and a smile on the face of the tiger. As Pilate. Many do not want to make a judgment on Jesus to appear non-judgmental and, 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 and to appear to be clever. But even as Pilate was not innocent of his choice, neither is anybody in their choice. Pilate did not pay heed to his wife's warnings. People don't pay heed to their warnings. Though it may cost you your wife, your husband, your, your job, or maybe even your life, it is your choice. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me, Luke 9, 23. It's been for every generation. It bypasses culture, race, the time, everything. Jesus was seen as a miracle worker to Herod by a selfish desire. People today see Jesus like that too. Many Christians believe that, you know, Jesus is just uh, one who gets you rich and healthy. It's your divine right to be healthy and wealthy. That's what it's all about. And if you're not wealthy, you don't have enough faith. If you're not healed, you don't have enough faith. Really? Wow. I want to hear when they, when they confront Jesus, see what Jesus tells them. Herod was expecting an outward miracle. 
not an inward miracle of transformation. That's the problem. The reasons why people reject Jesus can be many. It can be a money, it can be a career, a man, a woman, whatever it may be. Each person will be responsible for the choices they make for rejecting Jesus. The person will be, uh, not be able to justify or excuse themselves. You won't be able to wash your hands. No one will, like Pilate. Too often people evade that decision, uh, like Pilate, but no decision is a decision in itself. You have chosen not to choose by default. There is no middle ground. Either you're born again and you're living for Jesus or you're living for yourself, the world, or Satan. They're all the same to me. No different. Listen to John 3.36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe in the Son has not, has, has not seen life. But the wrath of God abides in him. Pretty awesome words. There's no wiggle room. Pilate, again, is a perfect example of compromised by social pressures. All of us will deal with these things every day. We must guard our heart and mind. If you call yourself a Christian, you must agree with everything the Bible teaches. You can't pick and choose. You have to believe that Jesus is God, 100%, 100% man. He came the first time. He's coming the second time, virgin born. He alone can forgive sins. All these things. He's the only way to the Father. John 14, 6, he's the only name. Acts 4, 12, he's the only mediator. 1 Timothy 2, 5, there's no wiggle room. Every time you and I compromise and sin, it disrupts our fellowship, takes away from abundant life. Thank God he's given us a way of escape, Jesus Christ. Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. Thank God for 1 John 2, 1, it says, my little children, I write these things that you do not practice sin, but when you stumble and fall, you have Jesus Christ righteous, an advocate for you, a lawyer for the defense. Thank God. But here's the kicker. You must acknowledge your sin, agree that it's sin, confess your sin, abandon your sin. You're back in fellowship. Simple. Not I'm sorry. That's regret. It's called repentance. If you don't know Jesus, and it's possible you don't, Will you crucify him or pronounce him innocent and call upon his name? It's your choice. You are Pilate. You must make a choice. Repentance for sin through his name brings a new birth, transformation by the Spirit of God. Luke 12a says, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before man, him, the Son of Man, also will confess before my, the angels of God. Wow, that's the choice. Jesus was returned to Pilate by Herod. Three movements in the trial of Pilate. Jesus was led to Pilate by the Jews. Jesus was sent to Herod by Pilate. And Jesus was returned to Pilate by Herod. This puts everybody in the same position of decision-making. No one can escape it. It's history. Either you are for Jesus or you're against him. There is no middle ground, ladies and gentlemen. And your life must line up with what his word says. We're not talking about perfection. I'm not perfect, trust me. But we are calling for a transformed life by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese. 
challenging those who've yet to make a decision for Christ. Your choice is one that decides where you'll spend your eternity. You'll find more about the simple steps for choosing a life for Christ at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Now, our message today titled, What Will You Do With Jesus?, is available on CD for only $4, and we'll be able to include everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, What Will You Do With Jesus?, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. There's an old saying that goes, If God seems far away, guess who moved? The answer, coming up on the next Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you can join us then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com